This is TDPS. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at Facebook.com slash The Dinner Party Show. No, I meant in the car. Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. And Eric, I have bad news. I have a lot of bad news. Oh, great. I'm so glad I tuned into this Debbie Downer episode. Well, this is what happens when two Irish gay men do a podcast together. I should say two Irish American gay men do a podcast together. We hang a lot of crepe. So do you want the do you want the the terrible news or the mildly bad news first? Oh, my God. I I guess let's go with mildly bad and work our way up to terrible. I think that's the Irish way. Okay. Uh, mildly bad is I broke a piece of furniture in my apartment last night after I talked to you on the phone. Well, I'm not sure if that's bad news. It depends on which piece of furniture it is. Okay, you know what? I don't mean this to be an aesthetic <laughs> judgment of my design taste here in my own home. But well, I'm just you relieved know, you're not asking me the circumstances because they're really embarrassing and I don't want to talk about how I did oh, it. Oh, we're, just we're get getting sympathy. to that. No, I just want sympathy. I just want sympathy for my broken furniture. Which piece of furniture got broken? Well, I was originally going to call it a coffee table, but apparently it's not a coffee table. It's like an, a side table. It's in my bedroom, and it sits in between the two Eames chairs. And uh, it just broke. It just ha- All of a sudden, the glass top just broke, and that's the end of the story. And feel bad for me and leave sad comments on our Facebook Did page. Did you kick over the table while you were working no. out? Well, you know, I, I not exactly. I was preparing to work out. And, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I bought a little trampoline, which is like a little, you know, circular, not one of the those big backyard trampolines, but you know what they call a mini which is jumper, a sh- which you probably could have fit in there. Honestly, <laughs> you could put in that ceiling is pretty high in that room. Can you jump? You could jump on your bed and really get some air in that room. You know, I've never tried jumping on my bed. I should do it. I should do well. Not based on how I may end up breaking the bed. Yeah, because this went block. so well. <laughs> But it wasn't, I wasn't jumping. I had flipped, the trampoline has one leg that will come loose after extensive use. And so I had flipped the trampoline up onto its side and I was checking the legs and it was resting against my leg. And I thought, well, the leg seems secure. So I'm simultaneously going to stop this song that I'm listening to that I don't want to play yet. And the trampoline was not as balanced as I thought it was. It went over sideways. And because I was listening to a Little Mix song in my ears at the time, I wasn't aware of how bad the break was going to be until I excavated the trampoline from the scene of the accident. And oh dear. Yeah. I will say it wasn't tempered glass, so I didn't have tiny little shards to clean up, but I did lob off a big um, piece of glass. And uh, so oh, there you go. Oh, that's a shame. Did you vacuum really well? Um, I actually got two rags because the pieces were so small, and I I wiped them up by hand. It was a I took it was very methodical, and and uh, you know probably yeah, in three. I weeks. would say vacuum too because like you don't want to you're it's your bedroom, so you don't want to cut your feet. So 
Or maybe that's what I deserve for being a klutz. Maybe it'll teach me not no, to be a klutz. No, we don't deserve things. That's not how that <laughs> we works. We don't deserve cut skin. That's the, that's the Irish Catholic view. We're not doing that. <laughs> All right. Well, that We're was at the, least lapsed, if not asked to leave outright. That was the mildly bad news. Do you now want to hear the really bad news? Oh, I can't wait. It's going to get hot in Los Angeles a few days after we record this. Our fall weather is going to lift, but only for a few days, I'm told. Only for like one or two days, and it's going to get cool at night. But the days are going to be summer temperatures for like Monday through Wednesday. Are you going to be all right? No. Okay, that's what I figured, so I thought I'd break it to you right at the top of the show. Yeah, that really pisses me off. Yeah. Are you going to be able that to go on? That always happens here. It's like times when you want it to be, you know... Somewhat appropriate. We don't have real, we don't have traditional everywhere else in the world seasons. Like Mm-mm. we have warm spring and we have cool spring. And I would like for it just to be sustained cool spring mm-hmm. for a few months with more rain. Um, mm-hmm. So that during the rest of the year when it's not, I mean, the leaves never fall off the trees. The annual plants never stop blooming. We have two blooming seasons. Like, you know, I don't want to be like a whiner about it because there's some benefits, but I really, I miss seasons. Warm spring and cooler spring have, however, been joined by blazing hot autumn, which has become worse and worse over the years. A lot of people don't realize October and November are sometimes our hottest months here because the Santa oh, yeah. Ana winds blow in from the desert most aggressively during that time. And this year was just the worst. I mean, this year was just the worst of everything. I think we can agree. You know, the worst pandemic. Uh, well, until things started to get better. <laughs> yes, but, that's you know, true. But we're not usually... going to go down that trail, yeah. but things did start to like get a little better. So like, yeah, yeah fingers crossed. Absolutely. I, I The weather uh, channel app sends out these alerts, these push alerts. They're one of the only push alerts I still subscribe to because I figured they actually could be relevant to my physical safety. Um, so they said the, this meteor shower will be easier to see than ever this year. And I literally thought because they're going to smash into the earth because just in keeping with the 2020 trends, I'll be, we'll be able to touch these meteors this year before they wipe out our homes and businesses and cities. Yeah, or the news article about them finding 100 murder hornet queens in the nest that they um, that they found in, was it Washington or Oregon? Up Oh, my God. Pacific Northwest. Like, yeah, yeah. it's the, the ongoing. It has just been, yeah, every day it's a new, like, really? Like, at what point is it enough? I am all out of this two shell passes. But let me ask this question, which I know I often do. Do you think, I mean, there's some truly terrible things that have happened this year, but like when it comes to the murder hornets, do you think there was a time in the past, and we do talk about this with crime a lot, that horrible crimes did happen in, in, in periods in history that we regard as more tranquil or quieter, at least. They just weren't necessarily splashed all over cable news because there wasn't any cable news. Do you think there might have been a time, like in the 40s or the 50s, where murder hornets might have made a brief appearance, but they just wouldn't have made headline news all over the country? Well, I mean, I think it gets back to that thing that so often happens. I don't think anybody will do it this year, but, um, you know, where towards the end of the year, some intellectual, uh, what's his name over at, uh, your favorite over at CNN, the Indian. I don't like Um, CNN. Oh, uh, Sanjay Gupta. Yes, where he does the the world is actually better than you realize. Oh, like, for Reed Zakaria, for Reed Zakaria. Yes, absolutely. It. Yes, you know that that sort of notion of, um, 
you know, like we cover only the bad news. And so there's so many, like I had a lot to be thankful for this year at Thanksgiving. Like mm-hmm. it was like, I'm healthy. That is such a big thing this year. Mm-hmm. You know, my family is healthy. You're healthy. Your family is healthy. Mm-hmm. Brandon is healthy. Like there was a lot to be quasars healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe too healthy. Yeah, a little, a little too vigorous. That quasar. We're talking, of course, about Brandon's corgi, Welsh corgi. Brandon's wonderful doggy. Um, and uh, Daphne is healthy. You know, we're all like, there's so many, and we had the ability to work from home and not That's the financial key. necessity. That's of, you key. know, desperately yeah. needing to get things done, and like there has been, like I, I never ran out of toilet paper or paper towels. Um, you, there has been the housekeeper came back at some point. Mm-hmm. There is a lot that I am truly thankful for. That's maybe not the grand super duper stuff, but like, but for which I am so grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think next year will be maybe the most grateful Thanksgiving in the history of our country. Right. If we can manage to get this under control and move back to you know, reopening the economy and having the, the, you know, things, people not dying in droves and whatever. So I think that, you know, it depends on the way in which you look at it as mm-hmm. to, as to how bad it is. Like it is odd that so, that I would be so grateful for so much in a year when there's so much to be so much bad news. Well, one of the things I've always admired about you as a person is that you have the ability to do emotional triage when you watch the news. And if, if triage is an SAT word for some of you out there, I only knew what it, I learned it a few years ago, I think from Eric, which was you prioritize <laughs> the incoming stressors based on what's actually urgent and you deprioritize what you're, what you're just having an emotional response to. And like, okay, there's COVID out there. You got to triage that to the top. I guess triage is a term they use in medical situations where you have injured people coming in and it's like, it okay, is. broken arm, you don't move to the front of the line. Heart attack, you do move to the front of the line. You have to do that with how you consume media and news now because all of it is so upsetting and all of it is designed to make you click. All of it is so potentially upsetting, I should say, if that makes sense. So you are really gifted at that. You have the ability, as you often say, to watch the news and not feel like you have to do something about every single story that you're seeing. Or or most of the times, any of them. Like, Mm -hmm. most of the times, I'm not qualified to do anything to... I'm not in a position to do anything about the story, so I'm like, oh, well, that sounds terrible. You know, I wonder what they're going to do about that, as Mm -hmm. opposed to being upset about it. Also, I would say a sizable portion of... What we count as news now is stuff that isn't actually happening. Mm. Like it's that wonderful, um, possibly Mark Twain quote, but it's, I think, very much a dispute as to who said it. But most of the terrible things in my life didn't actually happen, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. or whatever. It's some version of that. I can't even remember the exact quote, but that's it's attributed to Mark Twain. But it really is true. And I. Like there was a whole category of news where they're like, well, these are the terrible things that might happen. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, let me know if any of those happen and then I will worry about that or react to it in some way. But if none of those things have actually happened, then why are we even bringing them up? But they have to fill 24 hours a day. And so there's a lot of speculative stuff. And so if you eliminate that right off the top, 
that cuts way down mm-hmm. on bad news. And then when you watch the actual news, yeah, but I will, I agree with you. Like when I was a kid and there was a half hour of news from three networks at one part of the day, that wasn't very much news. Like there was, it was very concentrated and mm-hmm. you know, bad stuff happened, but you weren't dwelling on it all day long. There wasn't the first time I ever experienced news like this was during the Gulf war during the first Bush administration mm-hmm. where we actually, and I, it took me down. Like I couldn't stop watching the television because mm. I was literally watching a war unfold live on television. Right. I, I remember I'd that. never yeah. seen anything. No one had ever seen anything like it. And people were, instantly hooked it mm-hmm. made made cnn cnn was not actually doing very well prior to that gulf war and it turned them into a going concern because nobody thought of listening to the news that way yeah and there's an hbo movie out there not a documentary but a scripted drama based on that moment the moment that cnn beat everybody else to the chase by actually being in baghdad when that first war broke out and of course we're talking about the first gulf war because there are people listening who are probably young enough that they don't remember the one we're talking about because i think it happened in 1991 or 92 one of those two. I think it was even before that, because yeah. I think I was already in L.A. by 91 and 92, and this was before I even got to Los Angeles. It was it was something. And it, it always reminds me of that thing you talk about from that wonderful James Brooks movie, Broadcast News, mm-hmm. where there, something happens and they have all day to prepare for going on the news. That's how Tom Brokaw reacted to it. He had all day to prepare and then went on the news. And by then CNN had scooped them 75 times by the time they came on, you know, by the time Tom Brokaw was even ready to start talking about it. And it was no contest. He, they just ran rings around everybody else. It was really, it was a phenomenon. It was, it was like nothing I'd ever, it was like the lines at jaws. It was just Mm -hmm. nothing I had ever seen before. And Walter Cronkite, when he was interviewed at the start of all of this, said, this is going to be a problem because there is not 24 hours worth of news. And I don't know if he said this specifically, but I think you've said it since, and a lot of other people have said it. What they had to fill those 24 hours with was opinion. It was not actual substantive reporting. And that's most of what we see on cable news today. And we've gravitated or individuals gravitate towards the cable news network that has the opinion-based slant that they most agree with. Is it Fox News? Is it CNN, which sort of tries to hover in the middle, but is became decidedly anti-Trump this year particularly, or MSNBC, which has a liberal bent. And so most of what these shows that run during the day are roundtables of people offering their opinions about little bite-sized pieces of bigger stories, you know. Or what might happen as opposed to what has actually happened. Speculation indeed. So... We're not actually doing an episode about the history of cable news, even though that's the direction this conversation has gone in. We went to you, our lovely party people, on the Dinner Party Show's Facebook page, and we asked you to share your memories and recollections of your favorite Thanksgivings, and we're going to get to those in a moment. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. 
At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. Well, we're going to go out on a limb here and guess that everyone's Thanksgiving here in the United States, at least, was not uh, similar to Thanksgivings of yore, if you will. How is this Thanksgiving like no other? Like no other, (laughs) indeed. That was the official tagline of this Thanksgiving. However, we went so we went on the Facebook page and we asked you to share your recollections of your favorite Thanksgiving ever. But then I, it occurred to me afterwards, we have a lot of Canadian listeners, particularly who are very interactive among our party people. And I thought, should we have had a Canadian Thanksgiving? Because they have their own Thanksgiving up in Canada. I think it's, it's the a different... first, isn't it? It's the first I of don't... November. This is going to be. I think that's yeah, right. The... It's earlier than ours, I believe. Yeah. So apologies. It's before the entire country freezes over, I suppose. Apologies to our Thanksgiving listeners if, if you did not feel like your Thanksgiving experiences were addressed by our question. Um, I wonder if they have a lot of our listeners are in Australia and abroad. I wonder if they have equivalent sort of celebrations. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a North American thing. I only know of Canadian and American Thanksgiving. I, I don't really know. Well, that sounds like a perfect Wednesday question. Remember the Wednesday question that we've started doing, yes. Eric Shaw Quinn? That's on I our. I think that might be an interesting. I don't know if that's a. I know that like Christmas in July is an Australian tradition because it's actually winter there at that time. So they can have something that's more akin to what the rest of the world views as Christmas because it's when, you know, because we, the rest of us celebrate in an actual winter time. Mm hmm. Whereas in Australia, that's the middle of the summer. Is that sort of like how Palm Springs celebrates gay pride in November? Because if they celebrated it in June, everyone would die of heat exhaustion. It would kill all the gay it would people. Kill in all Palm the Springs. gay people in Palm Springs to go outside to yeah. a parade in July, which would pretty much depopulate the city. I think. I um, think so. I think certainly so. the mid-century portions of it. Um, I, I yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, it's about in you know like. That it's possible there. Like I, we had that. We did that one book festival in Palm Springs. In that was, was Gay Pride. It was, it was lovely. Oh no! Right, we did another book festival, but you and I did a signing at their Gay Pride, which was yeah, in we November. did do that. Yeah, but we did also did the Palm Springs Book Festival, and it was also like, oh, this is actually kind of great weather because usually Palm Springs in the summertime is just. I just, I don't know how people live there. It's like being punched in the face when you go outside. It's 120 degrees, and that's normal in the summer. It's like being, I, well, I have no other way to describe it. It's like being punched in the face. That's my verdict. I wonder if the place Springs. really, it used to be that it depopulated, that people were only there. It was a, you know, it's kind of a snowbird place. Everybody came to Palm Springs in the, the on season. Restaurants didn't even reopen until... Um, the winter months, because that's when the big population poured back into Palm Springs. I wonder if it's become more of a year-round city. 
um, these days than it used to be. It may be true of Palm Springs that it depopulates, but I think, you know, my mother has lived all over that valley, as you know. And so the more you go into the other surrounding areas, the more you're in sort of a year-round suburb. And they come up with a way of, of living that they just manage it. They just deal with it. I mean, Phoenix deals with it. Phoenix is not a vacation town, and they have similar no, summer temperatures. No, it absolutely a, is not. They're a metropolis that continues to function and work. The moment I will like never in forget the- in Rancho Mirage, when my mother used to live there, is I went to the outdoor mall, the river, and it was a summer day, and it was almost sunset, and it was like the walking dead. Nobody was there. It was just me and my shadow. And then the minute the sun went down, People just descended on the mall like bats out of a cave. I mean, the line at the valet stand was around down the street <laughs> because everybody had been holed up in their houses all day. It's sort of like a one day long, you know, pandemic. Yeah, only yeah. safe place to be. But I also remember in the not too distant past going to that Italian restaurant that was apparently Frank Sinatra's favorite. And it was like they were just reopening for the season. Right. Do you remember yeah. that? Yes, like, I do. A lot of those places, a lot of those older places were, and I guess that's the key. It's the older places. I guess it's probably a year-round city by now because everybody retires there from here, but right. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. That's our Palm Springs segment, but we want to talk well, about- it was our apologia to other places that don't have Thanksgiving segments. Yes, Absolutely. But we have recollections from you, our wonderful party people, about your favorite Thanksgivings. And even though it's not a contest, I'm going to declare this one the winner. It's very brief. Oh, yeah. Catherine Myers grew. Honestly, she says, it might be this year. I don't have to go anywhere, cook anything, or put a bra on. Winner, winner. Chicken dinner. (laughs) I think chicken dinner, turkey dinner, I guess, in this case. But Mm -hmm. yeah, that really was like, you know, there it is. There is the... Finding the silver lining <laughs> version of Thanksgiving. Um, so who knows? Maybe this year could be the simplicity of this year. And there's certainly plenty of things to be thankful for. Maybe next year when we ask this question, everybody will have moved to uh, to this year. Although I honestly think next year will be everybody's favorite Thanksgiving. Absolutely. So this one's from Father Nathan Monk. When my wife and I oh, were so first sweet. first married, we had very strange relationships with our respective parents. We still went to our family gatherings, but everything was pins and needles. We decided when they offered us leftovers, we would take them for a different purpose. We invited friends to do the, the same. It became the first of many misfit Thanksgiving dinners we hosted. Over the years, it grew. Everyone who had family to visit would go and then bring the leftovers. Those that didn't, wouldn't. We always had more than enough. People who had no family because they had been rejected over who they loved or because they were currently without a home or any other reason, they all filled our home. This is what Thanksgiving became for us, a time to host those who had nowhere to be. Isn't that lovely? I just love that. That is really sort of, and it really does speak to the, um, you know, to the secret to a successful Thanksgiving is celebrating the life that you actually have. I think there is an enormous effort on the part of a lot of people to celebrate some version, something they saw on television, you know, the Ralph Lauren version of the life that Mm. they don't actually have driving places and traveling and going to a lot of trouble as opposed to 
saying, well, this is my life. This mm-hmm. is the thing I'm thankful for. Let's let's celebrate this. And this is about creating something that they were actually thankful to do and making Thanksgiving something. I love that. I think where, that's a wonderful memory. Where were you at in your life physically but also emotionally when that concept first started to sink in for you? Well, you know, I, a big part of my feelings about Thanksgiving and the holidays in general happened around the time that I moved to Los Angeles. I was stony poor. You know, it was the chicken and uh, it was the, the tuna and ramen diet mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, all every day. And, uh, you know, I, I was getting by, but there was no packing up and traveling back to the East Coast for... Um, for Thanksgiving, it was just not possible. I just couldn't afford it. And so I I didn't do it. And it seemed like it was going to be a very sorrowful sort of choice. But what ultimately has come to, you know, to be the case is that, you know, is that this is the life I'm having. I, I had several occasions, even once I'd moved here, where I would go to every Thanksgiving dinner that I was invited to and it became this sort of death march of Thanksgiving you know where you <laughs> had nine different Thanksgiving dinners to get to and it was and and it was just like simplifying it like one of my favorite Thanksgivings um happened years ago here um John Wesley Ship and I used to be when he used to live out here, mm-hmm. we used to be really close friends. Mm-hmm. And he um, he and I went to Basics for breakfast. I think I was staying at his house for some reason. Mm-hmm. Can't even remember. Maybe not. Maybe we just met up at Basics for breakfast. And while we were there, it's a little restaurant, little um, pretty casual little restaurant right around the corner here. We ordered... Um, I think four turkey dinners Mm -hmm. to go. So we had our muffins and coffee or whatever we were having for breakfast. And then, you know, we messed around during the day and went up to, you know, went shopping or whatever we did. I think maybe we looked at Christmas trees. Maybe we even bought one Um, and went up to his house and his, uh, a couple of his friends came over and we ate turkey dinners out of styrofoam containers and threw them away. And, that was it. And it was no expectations and no drama and no getting dressed up. It was compl- it was the it was the I don't have to wear a bra and I don't have mm-hmm. to cook anything. It was that. It mm-hmm. was I this is the life that I actually have. These are my friends. This is how I actually live my life. And this is what I'm celebrating today. Yes, there was turkey at some point out of a styrofoam container, albeit, but there was still turkey. But it was so simple and it was so I really loved it, you know? Mm-hmm. I really loved it. What was your favorite um, well, Thanksgiving? It, there, there was a similar idea at play with my parents when I was younger. They wanted to take the opportunity to travel. And they had a similar attitude around Christmas, too, that the family had in this moment when I was younger, I think I was around 12 or 11, 12 or 13, uh, the family didn't all live in one city. I think later some of our relatives would move to New Orleans and we had the opportunity to do the kind of sit-down dinner. But they wanted to see the world when I wasn't in school. And we took a trip to Washington, D.C. around Thanksgiving time 
Uh, it was my first Northeastern experience of uh, Thanksgiving. It was autumn. Uh-huh. It was cold. We went and we saw everything. We went. I remember my mother weeping at the Jefferson Memorial and all of us standing there in our bundled in our coats with the crisp wind blowing through the uh-huh. monument. And we had dinner at, in the hotel, which was lovely. We were staying at the Four Seasons in Georgetown. And much of that trip inspired uh, Tale of the Body Thief, her Lestat novel, because all of those scenes in Georgetown where the, I think Lestat and the body thief first yes. meet, they were all basically, the, they were seated during that trip as we walked around Georgetown, which is where we were staying. And I have really fond memories of it. For some reason, around that time, we were watching the Tracy Omen show, which used to be on network, it used to be on Fox. And she sang this unbelievable song as part of a sketch, and it sort of came out of nowhere. And we were thought, we got, we got to find this song. Did she write this song? And it was. I Dreamed a Dream from Les Miserables, which was new oh, yeah. then. I'm dating myself. That's how long ago it was. And so we went out. I remember we, I think we may have, we had a Walkman, but we, or, or maybe we bought one and we got the cassette tape of it and my mom would listen and then I would listen. It was just a great trip. But it was about, you know, I struggled as a young kid with the holidays should look like every the Norman Rockwell version of the holiday. Right. I mean, I think we all do. I think everyone does to some extent. Right. And my uh, mother still tells the story of, you know, being in Paris with me at Christmas and and me complaining that we weren't back in Richardson, Texas, having my grandmother's special tang. It's like, you're in Paris, kid. Shape up. And, you know, now I cringe when I remember that and think of the ingratitude. But, but, um, you know, I'm very grateful for all of those memories, you know. One of our one of my best Thanksgivings um, was not at Thanksgiving. Explain, please. <laughs> um, a few years ago, when my mom turned eighty, even more years ago, um, when my dad turned eighty, Christopher and I went to Columbia, South Carolina, where my parents are, mm-hmm. and stayed in a hotel and showed up on my father's doorstep on his birthday to say surprise, happy 80th birthday. And we realized that maybe this was not the best idea because 80-year-old people, maybe you don't want to surprise them quite as much as that. It was like, <laughs> oh, dear. But it was too late, and we were already there, and what are you going to do? So well, we didn't jump out later, of the bushes in fright wigs, yes, right? We were it, just, was, it was really, yeah. yes, it was not. It was like, oh, we didn't think this all the way through. These are really old people, and they seem... <laughs> Like, this might be too much. It turned out all right, but like, yeah. Anyway, so um, two years later, we had to do something for mom, but we'd already done that for dad. And we'd have the lesson of like, well, that was really, that was maybe too much. So we conspired with my sister who lives in Atlanta to invite mom and dad to come down and stay with her for mom's birthday. And we went to Atlanta and then Sarah took mom out for lunch uh, on her birthday and we were already at the restaurant sitting at the table when they got there. So she was already in kind of a surprise mood and it was less dangerous to the old people and we still got to spend mom's 80th birthday with her and say um, happy birthday. But we then went back to my sister's house. Oh, um, right. I forgot this for uh, for din- For the actual birthday dinner and... Sarah, uh, being the wonderful hostess that it, that she is, made Thanksgiving dinner because that was mom's favorite dinner of the year is the meal that we actually served on th- serve on Thanksgiving. So 
her husband Dan did this amazing thing where he deep fried oh, a yeah, turkey or right, something. Yeah, that's right in the driveway. This I remember amazing now. thing out in the garage or the driveway or whatever. This it was kind of astonishing. And Sarah made all of the fixins and pumpkin pie and or uh, and yams, candied yams that were just astonishing. And it was really it was a wonderful dinner. And it was about being thankful for all of the things that we were thankful for. Because why wait till November mm-hmm. to be thankful when you can be thankful um, any time of the year? Whenever you say it's Thanksgiving, it can be Thanksgiving. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at Facebook.com slash The Dinner Party Show. No, I meant in the car. So we reached out to our party people on Facebook to ask them about their favorite Thanksgiving memory, and we got a response from our Florida correspondent, Amy Bellino. Her name is really Amy Bellino, but I like to call her Amy Bellino because it's two L's in a row in her last name. And this is what she had to say. This year will be the 21st Thanksgiving spent with my husband. And one thing I'm thankful for is that he always cooks the turkey. Even if we aren't hosting a dinner, indeed, he still buys a turkey to cook. Well, that's really impressive, even if they're not hosting the dinner. Another thing I'm thankful for is my husband. Not just that I found a good man to marry, but that I still have Although him around. Although that's plenty. Because on August 9th, 2017, just two days after my 42nd birthday, my husband had a massive coronary. His heart stopped 12 Yikes. times over the course of the 45 oh minutes it took for the ER team to save him. He spent 46 days in the hospital before he was well enough to come home. One of the first questions he asked when he woke up after two weeks was to ask if he missed my birthday. As bad off as he Uh was, his first concern was me. Thanksgiving 2017 was my favorite for many reasons. Our oldest son had moved back to Florida, so it was the first Thanksgiving we got to spend with him and his family. It was the first Thanksgiving where Brian didn't have to cook. I watched my husband playing basketball with our grandson in the driveway while our daughter-in-law and granddaughter smothered and stuffed the turkey. Our sons bickered over 10 different silly things like siblings do while our other grandson played tug of war with one of the dogs. It was the first Thanksgiving that I felt truly thankful. I was thankful for this crazy family and beyond thankful that the head of this family was still with us. I can't imagine that any future Thanksgiving could ever be better or find me feeling more thankful than I was on Thanksgiving Day 2017. And in her comment on our Facebook page, if you'd like to see it, she attached a photograph from the day after Thanksgiving 2017, and it includes our grandchildren and youngest son playing mini golf. Thank you to our Florida correspondent. With a bunch of vicious lions. Are the lions in it? (laughs) They're lions from the park. It's like uh, African safari uh, putt-putt. It's it's amazing. uh, Not real lions, like statue lions. 
of course there's statue <laughs> I don't know. Oh you always God. see YouTube videos of people in these safari parks. Feeding I don't know. Feeding the children <laughs> to, the, to the lion safari. No, they, the children were much safe. Amy would never have done that. Although my favorite part of that memory, which she doesn't highlight, is she still didn't have to cook the turtles. <laughs> like somebody else. I see you, Amy. I see you. But yes, that's a wonderful. Yes, being thankful for things that didn't happen is often my favorite thing to be thankful for. Right. Right. Absolutely. But, I, you know, I, I am working on a book right now that involves near death experiences. And it says that the people who have had it's a comedy. It's a comedy about near death experiences. But it's they the people who come back say the experience teaches them what not to give a shit about. What's truly important. And it's a, that's the story of my life. Yeah. Like you just not, there are things that are precious and there are things that are not precious. And they come back realizing that so much of their anger towards certain people, places, and things is an enormous waste of energy. I mean, a, a complete energy suck. Yeah. The, the, the biggest vacuum of all. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that's what the next year is going to be like. All all of us who have complained about having to go. Not that I ever complain about my family ever. I love my family. You know, no complaints at all. I am a completely evolved, peaceful person. Never complain ever. However, anyone who's got you know who was was rolling their eyes about having to go sit with the family at Thanksgiving, maybe next year if they sat this one out. And let's be honest, not everybody did sit it out, but the recommendation was that we do, and you and well, I certainly did. that. I hope that people took most people took precautions at some level. Like yeah, I heard one recommendation that you wear your mask unless you're eating, yeah. even if you go home for Thanksgiving. Like, so I'm hoping that people were as cautious as possible, but still it's not the same. Even if you did, did see them, I hope that it wasn't quite the same as if you'd seen them or you had to wait for 14 days before you could have dinner together. Right. 14 days in isolation. Uh, yeah. So what I'm, what I guess I was trying to say is that I hope next year will be the year where we are all grateful to be returned to so many things, not just Thanksgiving. I think people will be grateful to stand in line at the grocery store. I will never you know bitch I mean? about like, going to the gym again. I, you know, like I, that would have become a drudge for me. That's a lie. That, okay, that such for a, a lie. whole month after we have a vaccine, <laughs> I will not. That's a lie. Bitch about going to the gym. Okay, for a whole week after we get a yes. vaccine. Um, that's that's it. Yeah, that I can believe. Okay, so yeah, but yeah, going to the gym will be this treat. A lot of things will be treats. And, you know, as we're recording this, the hope is that the vaccine will be available widely in April of next year. So fingers crossed that that schedule holds. But Fauci is the one saying that. And he doesn't usually improvise in front of the cameras when they're rolling. He's a pretty responsible guy. So uh, I think. Yeah. OK, so if we're going to give out an award for the best word in any response that we got on this, it's going to go to Carol Horger Bull. And she is free to get in touch with me oh. if I mispronounced her middle name, maybe Horger Bull. It's a three-word name, like Eric Shaw Quinn. Right? Those are the best. They're also frequently serial killers, I think. What? Or assassins. <laughs> we, assassins. That's what it is. Assassins. The presidential assassins have three names. What says who? Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh, Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> All right. And uh, John Wilkes Booth. John Wilkes Booth. Okay. Carol, we, we and, don't uh, think you have any designs guy? on any politicians. Please. I hope not, Carol. Yeah. Don't be shooting the president. <laughs> My favorite Thanksgiving was when I was first married, very young and keen to be domestic. 
Domestic. Domestic. That's domestic. A- That's my favorite new word. Domestic. <laughs> That's a description of, of how I am when I break my own furniture with a trampoline. Um, uh, very domestic. But also, notice the subtext here, which is I'm I, she's not keen to be domestic anymore. A lot of our college friends and singletons had nowhere to go, so we opened our house and I attempted to cook a true Thanksgiving feast. A fairly good meal, only an hour late, and some great wine, which I imagine made them not give a shit about it being late. No one was poisoned, and I got a round of applause. The best part was the spontaneous guitar hootenanny after. Hootenanny, that is the best word in this episode of TDPS Presents Christopher and Eric. In fact, it was the original title of our podcast, Christopher and Eric's Hootenanny. That's very funny. That's that's an age thing. Oh, is it now, wise one? Yeah, is there it? used to actually be a television show called Hootenanny. Like, it was a much more common word when I was a young person. I, I don't know why, but it, it meant what she was talking about. People sort of having a sing-along and playing guitars or whatever instruments were available. And yeah, there was, there was Hootenanny and there was one other. Terry Garr was on a show... What was it called? I don't think it was Hootenanny, what, but it was another. But what what happened on the show Hootenanny? Was it did they just have Hootenannies every week? They had musical guests and people sang. It was very it was very sort of hippy dippy kind of um, uh, maybe more beatnik. It was very um, it was very freestyle. It was very sort of um, spontaneous, as she describes it. It was very spontaneous and very sort of people played on guitars and people sang along and it was festive and. What was the one that um, I can't remember? But yeah, I, it was. I, I I I think people, younger people, are just not just haven't heard the word. It used to be something I heard on a regular kind of basis, particularly with a television show named Tootin'. Did you regularly hear one of its synonyms, Hullabaloo? Hullabaloo, yes, indeed. Hullabaloo, Hullabaloo hasn't gone anywhere. Okay, sure, all right. The, I think the Tulane University newspaper that, either was called the Hullabaloo or used to be called the Hullabaloo, the Tulane University Hullabaloo. And that may be the name of the Terry Gar show. I'm looking for my iPhone to see if I could look it up, but I don't know where it is. So I don't know. Maybe somebody will look up and correct us on when they hear the show. But like Hullabaloo, that may be the name of the Terry Gar show that was... I guess, programmed against Hootenanny. All right, let's go into, before we just start enjoying <laughs> multisyllabic runs words. runs out of interest in Hootenanny. Uh, yeah, once we got to Hullabaloo, I feel like we, we'd, um, we'd exhausted that line of inquiry. Angelina Farmer has this to say about her favorite Thanksgiving. I think my favorite was the first one my grandma let me cook, with her right there to help, of course. And then that day, my boyfriend at the time was visiting family in San Diego, California, and they had an earthquake. He called me oh, up and dear. told me about it. This was the 1990s, and I told my family. My uncle immediately said I cooked and there was an earthquake, and that got a good laugh. Today, it's still a running joke. It really didn't help when there was any type of earthquake anywhere in the world when I actually cooked. <laughs> I, I, I think we should maybe look into this if there's a connection. My brother, who was in Alaska, asked me a couple days if I cooked. They had an earthquake there, and so I said no. We found out my mother was up there visiting family, so we decided she caused it. 
Breaking news, the farmer family causes earthquakes the world over. Watch out for the farmers if they're around. Although it didn't seem to be localized. It seemed they were happening all over the planet, no matter where the members of the farmer family were. So we're going to have to look into this and investigate. And- Angelina, I'll just say this about that. Um, when my friends hear a helicopter, wherever it is, <laughs> they always say, they will frequently text me or contact me. Are you driving? <laughs> It's the belief. Oh, there's helicopters. Eric must be driving again. Yes. So, um, so yeah. So I, I, I feel you, babe. I, I relate to the, the uh, ignominy of being accused of causing uh, bigger events by virtue of the fact that you did some innocent thing like cook. Although it is there might be an not innocent when, when you drive. Too. It is not never innocent when Eric Sharquin was behind the wheel. It was exciting and my fun friend John and Wesley. John Wesley. Sh- <laughs> used to say it was like going for a ride with Cruella DeVille. <laughs> That's very accurate. Whenever he got in the car, he would switch on the emergency flashers and say, because people should be warned. <laughs> uh, okay. Our next recollection is going to lead to a question for Eric Shaw Quinn from yours truly. Okay. Sandy Ruffalo says, my favorite Thanksgiving was when my niece was nine years old. She taught me how to play five-card stud. Excuse me. Wow, that's a nine-year-old. That kid. Who did she grow up to be? Is her name Molly? Right? She's got her own poker game. It's quite profitable. Uh, She taught me how to play five-card stud, and I made her laugh so hard that milk came out of her nose. That'll be a hard one to beat, she says. Have you ever laughed so hard, Eric Shaw Quinn, that something you were drinking or eating came out of your nose? You know, I don't I don't actually have a memory of that. Or a nose. I have to think that it probably did, you know, like during my childhood, mm-hmm. the the sort of horror of children at the table and the, you know, like doing their best but learning to like keep their mouths closed, keep the food inside of their mouth, mm. um, keep their hands on the table and not touch things that they shouldn't be touching in between bites and all of those things. Uh I figure I have to have given my laugh and my um general sort of mirth at everything, I, I have to think it must be true. Right. I I've certainly sneezed food all over people. How about you, Christopher? Have you um, ever had milk come out of your nose? I have a dim memory of orange juice coming out of my nose during recess in, in Trinity Episcopal School in New Orleans. We would get these little orange juice containers. And I think once maybe orange juice came out of my nose or maybe it was another kid and I just want to steal their thunder. Yeah, that sounds like you. Did you it was not somebody else there? and then it was all about you. <laughs> not off there. For somebody some... else had to come out of their nose and you made it all about you. Absolutely. I stole their experience. I appropriated their orange juice experience. Absolutely. The drink box thief. Yes. Okay. We have another recollection from our wonderful party people. Michael Lipsky says, I was around 16. My family went to Chattanooga, Chattanooga, excuse me, Tennessee to be with my mother's sister's family. Pardon me, boy. Is that the Chattanooga choo-choo? I've just, one of the things I've learned about our friendship is that if there is a song, potential song cue in anything I'm saying, I just need to pause and let you sing a few bars of it, which I, and I think we've previously discussed this. Next year, provided the world doesn't completely fall apart, I'm scheduled to attend a conference called Book Bonanza in Dallas. And every time I say it, we do this. Yes. Book Bonanza. 
And occasionally, if you're at home, you'll say, Alexa, play the theme from Bonanza, and we'll have to sit there, and the whole thing will have to play, and then I'll be able to tell my incredibly boring story about something I'm scheduling for Book Bonanza, which pales in comparison to the eruption of theme music you've just filled your house with. And, uh, you know, you'd think I'd learn my lesson and stop talking to you about Book Bonanza, but apparently I haven't. So now that we got the chat. And there's also a great punchline to a joke. I don't remember the joke, but the punchline is, pardon me, Roy, is that the cat who chewed your new shoes? Don't know the rest of the joke, but I always think of that punchline whenever I hear Chattanooga. <laughs> All right. So what was happening in Chattanooga with Michael Lipsky's favorite Thanksgiving? He says everything. Yes. Um, uh, there, his grandmother was there in Chattanooga. They were going to see her, and she had traveled there all the way from New Mexico. Everyone was going to take a plane until his aunt Margaret announced that the heating element in the electric oven had shorted out. Without batting an eye, Uncle Walter took the turkey and all the fixings to a local Chinese restaurant and asked them to let him borrow one of their ovens for a while. They were very generous, and our Thanksgiving dinner was uh, was saved. It was also Granny's last time with all of us. I remember that holiday with great reverence. That's a wonderful story. That sounds like a movie. I love that. That's very cinematic, Michael. uh, Have you ever seen that movie, A Christmas Story? Yes. You'll shoot your eye out. Where they You'll end up eating. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Where they end up having Christmas dinner at the um, at the Chinese restaurant because everything, because the dog, the, the what's the what's the horrible neighbor's dog? Dogs, um, runs off, gets Like a pack of gets dogs. Gets in the house yeah. and runs away with the turkey. And so they go to, um, they go to the Chinese restaurant for, th- you know, that reminds me of one of my very favorite Thanksgiving memories. I cannot remember. I'm sorry. You're only allowed of- one. You're only allowed one. You oh, go to hell. You just, yeah. Smell my butt. Um, <laughs> no. There, there's, um, there's a, it was, we were all in Palm Springs or wherever we were. And I can't remember what the nature of the circumstance, maybe it was the, um, the Thanksgiving when Beckett and Christina went to, um, to England to get married. I, I can't remember why we were, we were on our own, but we usually would go to the Marriott there mm-hmm. for Thanksgiving mm-hmm. because they have this spectacular spectacular buffet. Mm -hmm. Um, I probably shouldn't promote it because then it'll be too crowded. And then we did a couple of years at the La Quinta. That was really, I loved it Mm -hmm. when they used to actually have a decent one at the La Quinta resort. Mm -hmm. Um, They had a really one and then they ruined it. Just destroyed it. And I wrote them a a diplomatic email about it and I never got a response. Anyway, you know. Yeah, I guess they just gave up. I guess they just decided, I don't know. Anyway, whatever the circumstances were, maybe it was after they had ruined the La Quinta one and we didn't have a substitute. But like you and me and um, your mom and your Aunt Karen just got in the car and drove around the corner to the neighborhood Hilton and went to Hyatt and went to their Thanksgiving buffet. And I mean, it was incredibly casual. It was incredibly low key. Mm -hmm. And we were back in the car on the way home to watch episodes of the crown Mm -hmm. or whatever it was we were going to watch on TV together um, in an hour. It was an unbelievable, it was the most efficient, but it was the simplicity of it. It was the, 
There was no drama. There was no anything. We had a great time. We had a delicious dinner. I had a slice of prime rib and some mashed potatoes, which is all I ever want, mm. and some cookies. And then we went, do you remember that? I do. It was great. It was great. And I don't remember why it was, but it was because it was so completely without any kind of um, stress, uh, drama. Of, of stress or drama or anything. We just got up. It was like going to the 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 Chinese restaurant in yeah Christmas Story. Like it was like, yep, that that's it. Okay, no drama, just dinner. Something just enjoying being together. Something holiday themed is happening this week, and and we talked about it to some extent on our previous episode. But Eric Shaw Quinn, I'm told uh, through our through our uh, you know public information office here at the TDBS network that <laughs> you are starting to assemble Greater Christmasville this week. Oh, yes, it's that time of year. Yes, it is Greater Christmasville. I've been. Um, allowing myself more uh, leeway with the decorations, but yeah, if you want, if you're interested at all, there's actually Greater Christmasville has its own Facebook page, mm-hmm. so you can like that and uh, stay in touch and keep track of all the developments. I'll try and do a good job of uh, keeping everybody posted as things develop. I it's going to be an interesting year. I always do the Christmas Village, but I've done some, I've taken some new turns because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, and. And made some different choices in terms of the decorations. So fingers crossed. We'll see how that, that turns out. But one way or another, this is the week that uh, Greater Christmasville comes together. So people, if they're, you know, if you want to start getting in the holiday spirit and have a completely over-the-top Christmas event, I, I'd i be happy to share mine with you mm-hmm. <laughs> and save you all the muss and fuss. Mm-hmm. Um, but I assume that's what you're um, talking oh, about. Oh, no, I was talking about the dental work you're having done on Thursday. Yes, oh, yeah. of course, that's yeah, what no. I'm talking about. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I haven't been to the dentist in a while. No, I'm no, looking me forward neither. to I getting back to doctor's appointments and stuff. But yeah, yeah, meanwhile, I'm just doing lots of flossing and trying to be a really good boy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, on our next episode, which is next week, our episodes uh, premiere every Sunday. Uh, we are bringing back True Crime TV Club. That's usually how we do this. Yay! Typically, we alternate week to week. And that is when Eric and I serve up a true crime documentary or episode of a true crime TV series for you. It is absolutely not a requirement that you watch the episode we're going to discuss, but we always tell no. it to you in case you want to. Um <laughs> <laughs> All spoilers. <laughs> All spoilers. Yes, we totally spoil the episode. It's so you can act like you've watched it, even if you haven't. And the ep- or you can watch it beforehand and then you know listen along with us and see if you agree or you think we're a bunch of whiny idiots. Yeah, but why, or, or both or opinionated bitches. <laughs> you know, whiny. The distance between a whiny idiot and an opinionated bitch is really just a thimble full of uh, sherry. Uh, the episode we will be discussing is. <laughs> Death by gossip. Death by gossip. Uh huh. With Wendy Williams. Wendy Williams is the host, apparently. And the episode is entitled Her Last Christmas. And it's season one, episode three. And that is streamable on a variety of internet platforms. But if you're having trouble finding it, let us know on the Dinner Party Show. So, a holiday murder mystery. We're getting into the spirit of the season, and but still being true to our roots and true crime TV club. It's the perfect combination. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how well it goes. We'll see. 
oh, I'm sure it'll be great. How can it be bad? Wendy Williams is the host of a <laughs> true crime TV show? I, Death by Gossip? What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly? Well, we're going to find out next week when True Crime, Christopher and Eric's True Crime TV Club returns on TDPS Presents Christopher and Eric. Until then and every day after, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher and Eric. And we're thankful. This is TDPS.